Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Breaking Up is Lot Taboo and our series on Get Out of Your Head and our study in Philippians. Today is the last session, and I am in a unique location. I'm in a hotel. I say that like it's a really cool place to be, but I am here at because of the times with my husband and we're super excited so if you are at because of the times this will come out on the second day of bought um come find us we are eh, gonna be with all the other emmers and stuff so we hope to see you if you want to come find us and talk and chit chat we will be there okay so let's go ahead and get started section six um a mind like christ Well, we've made it to the end, my friends. It's the last week of our time together, and we'll be in the last chapter of Philippians. This chapter is full of some of the most beloved verses in the Bible. A parting gift from a man who knew what it was like to have the mind of Christ when he was giving encouragement to the Philippians. It's almost like Paul knew what we uh, we'd be wondering at the end of such life-changing and mind-changing journey. What next? What about tomorrow? How do I keep doing things or this thing day after day? So after, so we have here some final powerful weapons to help us into the future, to arm us against anxieties about our tomorrows, to encourage us in truth and contentment and get us ready for whatever may come. Because whatever it is, we're not going to do it in our own strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13 ESV. The secret is Christ's strength in us. This verse was a chant we used to cheer at the summer camp I attended in my childhood. But honestly, I had absolutely no idea what it meant or how it was supposed to actually work. But we cheered it loudly and constantly. And it comforted me. It comforts me still. But we need to dig deep into ha- into it now as we go forward in the pursuit of the of mind conformed and captive, captivated by Christ. Because we need help, a lot of help. Jesus knew this and made this promise. I tell you the truth. It is your it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, will he, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Uh, portions of John 16, 7 through 15 in the ESV. God knew we needed help, and so he gave us that help in the form of the Spirit who is living and active and changing those of us who have trusted in Christ. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 2.11. And because we have access to his spirit, the mind of Christ is ours. It's already in his spirit living within us and laid out throughout his word. We have help for our anxieties and fears about tomorrow and permission to live the opposite of afraid, content. Paul has a secret for contentment noted in the following scripture. 
I know what it is to be in need and I know that I know what is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Philippians 4.12 NIV. And the power of that in Paul was he lived unafraid of what would, what the world would or could do to him. His confidence wasn't in his achievement or his possessions or how well his life was going. It was in his God. I pray this for you. I pray that whatever God has has ahead of you that above all you would find the secret of contentment and joy that is to know and love and walk with jesus it is the only single thing that satisfies and cannot be taken from you in these weeks together we will study the scriptures and examine how we can use the following weapons to fight our enemy of mind this week let's look at trust as a choice we can make to stop our spiraling thoughts So, we've gone over these several times, but we'll just do it again. Our enemy is self-importance, and the weapon we use is humility. The enemy is noise, and the weapon we use is silence. The enemy is cynicism, and the weapon is delight. The enemy is isolation, and our weapon is connection. The enemy is complacency, and our weapon is intentionality. The enemy is victimhood, but our weapon is gratefulness. And our enemy is anxiety, and our weapon is trust. Read Philippians 4. Describe Paul's view of the woman he served with in verses 2 and 3. So let's start there, 2 and 3. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Beseech Eidus, I probably said that wrong, and beseech Sinai, I probably said that wrong too, that they be of the same mind in the, in the Lord. And I in, entreat thee also, true yoke, full help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with lament also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. In verses 4 through 7, which we're fixing to read, Paul talks about the anxious thoughts and what to do with them. List his instructions and the results. If these instructions are... and Hold on. List his instructions and the results if these instructions are heeded. So we're reading 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ uh, Christ Jesus. List the things Paul encourages us to think about on verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. In verse 11 through 13, which we're fixing to read, Paul writes about contentment. What is his secret? Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be 
abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, and that ye did co- uh, communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, uh, no church communicated with me as concerning grieving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thess- Thessalonia, ye sent one and Again, unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have also, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received um, Aphroditus, the full, or the things which were sent from you, a door of sweet smell and uh, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly they are the Caesar's household. The grace of your Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. How many of us dragging through our days weighed down by anxiety? Many of us find our thoughts circling around problematic circumstances or people. For others of us, anxiety has become the soundtrack of our days. So familiar, we hardly notice it playing in the background of every scene. As we look to our future, the enemy has ensnared us with two little words, what if. With those two little words, he sets our imaginations whirling, spinning tales of the doom that lurks ahead. But our tool for defeating what if is not surprisingly found in two words, or is not surprisingly found in two words, because God. Because God clothes the lilies of the fields and feeds the birds of the air, we don't need to be anxious about tomorrow. Because God has poured his love into our hearts, our hope will not be put to shame. Because God chose to be a uh, Because God chose us to be saved by his strength, we can stand firm in our faith no matter what the day holds. Freedom begins when we notice what it is that is binding us. Then we can interpret it with the truth. Anxiety says, what if? What if I get too close to this person and she manipulates me like my last friend I trusted? One of my spouse cheats on me. One of my children die tragically. One of my boss decides I'm um, expendable. What if? Certainly, there are, uh, are healthy levels of anxiety about um, that signal our brains to be afraid of things that are truly worth being afraid of, like a wild animal or a train coming toward us on the tracks. But it is when li- this life-saving mechanism is triggered at inappropriate times or gets stuck in our on position that it becomes a problem. Our fear gets in- goes into overdrive. We keep finding new concerns to worry about and new facets to to each concern, as if by constant stewing we can prepare ourselves for what's to come. But there is a God who will give us what we need today, next week and 20 years from now, even if our very worst nightmares come true. So we have a choice going forward. The enemy wants to tell us that that we cannot trust God to take care of us 
of our tomorrows. But the truth is God is in control of each and every day and we do everything in his strength. So here's our spiral. We start with the emotion of fear of a real or perceived threat. Our thoughts turn into, I cannot trust God to take care of my tomorrows. Our behavior is resistant to God's authority. Our relationships are controlling and manipulative, and our consequence is constant anxiety. But if we flip it and we start, we have the emotion of fear or real perceived threat, and we choose to surrender, our thoughts become God is in control of our everyday life. Our behavior becomes submitted to God's authority. Our relationships are present and open, and we are unafraid. Paul knew we would spiral, so he told us to replace the lies with something surprising. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4, 6 through 8, NIV. Anything? Anything. How could Paul say that? Isn't that impossible? Does God really command this of us? Paul meant what he wrote. He meant it for one simple reason. The truth is not This earth is not our home, and our home in heaven is secure. So if death is not to be feared, what exactly do we have to be scared of? God's promises give us ultimate hope in absolutely every circumstance. He meets every need. He will resolve in the end every problem we may face here on earth. Paul wrote in confidence of this truth, and then he gave us clear guidance for for ridding ourselves of anxious thoughts. Choose to be grateful and choose to think about what is lovely and excellent and true. The weapon of trust. We fight our anxious thoughts by trusting the God who knows all things and will give us what we need exactly when we need it. For just a moment, let's zero in on one of these replacement thoughts. Whatever is true, think about such things. If we want to focus on what's true, we've got to kick out the lies. God has called us to hope to joy, to uh, perseverance, to think on what is true. Truth is the most powerful weapon we have against the enemy, who is a liar and the father of lies. So we fight the enemy with whatever is true, meaning whatever is real. Women, we are not children of the devil. We are children of God who reject the lies that have been swimming in our minds and replace them with the truth. So what lies have you been believing? Chances are, They fall into one of these three categories. I'm helpless. I'm worthless. I'm unlovable. Where did this lie come from? What is the earliest moment you remember believing it? How do these lies tend to play into your fears and anxieties? We have to let God love. We have to let God's love and his truth soak into our souls over and over again. We seek him. We pray. We sit with him in silence. We walk with him in our spiritual disciplines. And ultimately, we make a choice. We choose to believe the truth instead of a lie. Until I throw off the lie that God's love isn't for me, my emotions, decisions, behaviors, and relationships will remain twisted up in the mistaken belief that I'm worthless. So I focus on what is true. Fight it. Take 
one of the anxious thoughts you have running around in that head of yours and explore it on the grid below, below which if you have the book, you're going to uh, do this on your own time. I think most of us probably, most of us are probably good at finding the thought, recognizing it as a lie and even knowing what the truth is, but we fail on the last step. We keep believing the lie, acting on it, letting the what ifs stir our thoughts into a frenzy. But we have to go to war. We have to read God's word and find every weapon available to fight it. Yes, faith is a gift, but it is a hard-won gift at times. Paul wrote honestly of how God met him in his struggle. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 NIV With this kind of surrender... The ultimate result is surprising. It's contentment. Contentment is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that he is in control of all that happens to us. If you have ever spent time around Christians in developing countries, you have probably been mesmerized by their joy and contentment. We think living in the land of options and choices is how we can find happiness, but I think choices fill our mind space, robbing us of the opportunity to be content. Contentment is our ultimate aim in life. As humans, we search the earth for it. But Paul knows the secret, the place it hides, and he shares it with us. And then if you are doing this with us in your own book... Um, you'll have the projects you can do together. And we're at the conclusion. No natural feelings are high or low, holy or unholy in themselves. They are all holy when God's hand is on the rain. They all go bad when they set up on their own and make themselves into false gods. C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. It's interesting, the reason Paul could write these words on contentment was he had experienced plenty, but he also had experienced what it means to be brought low. It always, it's always excruciating to watch my children be brought low, and it's excruciating when we are brought low. It's not what we hope for them or us, but tasting the low, the empty, the need, is what confirms what we pray is true. It's true that Christ's strength really is enough for me. That we can live with renewed minds because of that strength. That we are not alone in the dark, but with friends in the light. He has made all of these weapons available to us and has empowered us with his strength. So let's fight for each other. And with the power of healthy minds trained on Christ will be contagious and bring light to others. It is true that we can live with renewed minds. It's all true. And we... And when we set our minds on truth, freedom follows. So that is the end of this series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, starting next month, we're going to be talking about shame for several weeks. And um, I'm super excited about that. So I hope y'all have a good week and we'll see you next week. Before this podcast starts, we have a couple things we would like to let you know about. First, we have some big plans for the future. We are so excited for where this podcast is going, but we really need some help. We both have full-time jobs along with church and family. And here are some ways that you can help. Share our posts, subscribe, and leave a review. 
Also, we would like to buy better equipment, and we also have some plans for the future that are going to need funding. You can either become a monthly or a one-time listener supporter. The link is in the show notes. Or you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash breaking taboo, or you can click the link in the show notes. Next thing is, me and my husband are going on AIM to Japan. You can support us one of three ways. Text to give. You can text AIM206 to 71777. Or you can buy a t-shirt or hoodie from our shop on Bonfire called Seek and Save Apparel. Or you can become a partner in missions. To find more information on anything, please visit our Instagram page, Romans to Japan or Breaking Apostolic Taboo. Thank you for joining and we are so excited for this week's episode.